0: like to plug the chase thomas podcast listen to chase thomas you'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being chase thomas podcast. the chase thomas podcast Um, my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all
1: right hello and welcome back to another episode of the chase thomas podcast where i'm still the aforementioned chase thomas coming to you live from knoxville tennessee Joining me at this time, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, down there in Decula, Georgia. Matt Green, how are you? How was uh How was the weekend? How was the tailgate situation for North Tecula? Uh <laughs> Did you Did you find seats? Was it uh, a situation where? I mean, I, I, what is the What's it been like in the the days following uh, the first round matchup between uh, the Falcons and your beloved? Uh, north guinette bulldogs it was a house divided for you over the yeah, weekend
0: absolutely rowdy environment you know as this typical uh, north guinette tequila matchups always are you know a lot of history there um but yeah it was uh it was a good weekend you know um in terms of college football um we got another another exciting one and some nfl action today but um I don't even know the result of that game. Do you know the result? Uh, oh yeah, it was
1: thirty-seven-seven. Your Bulldogs—they won.
0: Bulldogs took care of business. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's to be expected. I Decula wasn't. Is was it, It's it's seven A is the highest now, right? Yes. Um, Dekula wasn't always the. It hasn't been the highest classification for a while. I think that might. They might be their first year back up in the. In the highest because it was five a when I was in high school and the mm-hmm. had already gone down to four a by the time I graduated. So they were always like a level below. So, uh, you know, it's tough. First year in the big leagues, you know, that's you're, you're going to run into those, uh, those powerhouses like North, the North Carolina Bulldogs are.
1: It's funny you say that because i talked to their coach last week on the pod and that was something i brought up Where i was like y'all i swear have changed classifications more than any other school in the state of georgia Decula has been in every classification
0: over the, like the last 20 years it just been in some weird regions too mm-hmm. like with Habersham central at one point yeah they've been kind of all over well the region now is brutal
1: they're in with buford mill creek and uh I forgot who the other one is but yeah this is not not conducive uh, to long term success, there, I don't think they need to get out of that region. Uh, if you're Tequila, um, it's a tough spot because I don't
0: trust the process, trust the, the po- talent come in.
1: I mean, you just got to get out of that area.
0: A, a uh, George just got to commit from uh, basketball, just got to commit from from Tequila, I believe. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. Producing some talent here. Tequila Falcons, don't sleep on us. <laughs> us. So, you've skipped. You, you're, you're on us.
1: You have now flipped. From nah, Dicu- dude, from it's, North it's Gwinnett
0: the High School is that close to my house. I, I I'd pull for them, but I mean, obviously, North Gwinnett got red and black going through my veins. You know, I'm a bulldog. At, I'll always be. You know, that's the alum. That's the alumni right there. Alumnus, mm-hmm. alma mater. There you go, alma mater.
1: Yeah. Um, Matt green We have uh, the playoff. Uh, that there was some craziness over the weekend. um That I just the night games, folks. I hope you did not miss anything from like six o'clock on because that was the bread and butter of uh college football did you have to miss a lot of it because i was texting you a little bit during washington oregon but i had my two my dual set of washington oregon and texas tcu which was just mm, perfect and uh georgia mississippi state that slop nowhere to be found not putting that slop on my television the brother was over there he saw it in person i knew you were gonna watch it no need to to worry about um, the mess that was Georgia and Starkville, Matt Green. But uh, oh, yeah, what man. D-
0: I, I was locked in; I didn't okay. miss a second of it. Okay. Uh, I was actually at my brother's house, so he had the two TVs uh, working in his basement. So we were we got a flash with TCU, Texas, and uh, Oregon, uh, Washington on like the bottom screen. So mm-hmm. it was we yeah, we kept track of it pretty well. But yeah. It Wait, was, which uh... brother are we
1: talking about? Are we talking about the brother that is friend of the program or the brother uh, friend, that... the, friend of the pod? OK, friend of the pod who finds he, he sits on the outside. He's a lurker and he waits for his moment to like tag me in something <sighs> that's anti Tennessee. He's always ready for it. I don't. I don't know if he's got like an alert for something on Twitter where hey, if something bad a, uh, happens.
0: He's a very loyal listener to the show, you know. So when when once the all the Tennessee garbage just kind of gets flowing, sometimes you gotta you gotta push back on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he's ready to go. Uh, Jake is ready to go for pushing back on it. That man is uh locked and loaded so what I, i'm sure he's gonna tag me in something about tennessee losing to colorado and basketball today of like everything's cool question mark eyes emoji uh i'll look out for it jake we'll we'll see what happens right. yeah <laughs> you could be right.
0: um
1: well this was uh this wild weekend um for uh the college ball playoff um i think we should start by who can still make the playoff and who can't matt green so you've compiled how you think this Will ultimately unfold of who can and who can't. How do you want to do this?
0: Yeah, I got a list. I came up with nine. I think we got nine teams that you can't how do we how do we phrase it? You they they theoretically can make the playoff, right? I don't I don't mm. think all nine of these, you know, have a realistic shot necessarily, but you you can't say that they're mathematically eliminated to this point. And I think um obviously you start with the top, Georgia, Ohio State. Michigan, TCU, it's probably going to be the top four when the rankings come out uh, on Tuesday. And then Tennessee, Tennessee and USC, I think, are the, are in a solid. Like that six is almost like in a take care of business. It's going to be hard for you to not get in if you take care of business, I think. It's, it, it's obviously going to be a discussion because all six can't make it. But once you get to LSU, and then, I yeah, the last three, LSU, Clemson, and North Carolina – I think the ACC champion is just really behind the eight ball. You know, a one-loss ACC champion most likely won't get in. But if there is any kind of madness, we get a two-loss Pac-12 champion. Tennessee trips up and loses. Who who can they even lose to? South Carolina? South Carolina is it, yeah. Yeah, like it, something crazy happens. Like just true chaos happening. A one-loss ACC champion, I think, isn't mathematically ruled out yet. Um, Where where I think it's interesting is the Pac-12 champion because when we had that Oregon, now Oregon and UCLA essentially being eliminated this week, having Oregon in that, Oregon with Tennessee and that, oh, which blowout was worse uh, conversation, that was really hurting Oregon because at at the end of the day Tennessee, the game was closer and it was at Georgia on a true road game. USC doesn't have that albatross, right, of a, of a bad loss to, that you can put directly, like kind of compare to someone else's resume. Like Utah is a good team, go for two, win win by one point, like that's your one loss. And if they're a one loss uh, Pac-12 champion, obviously the, the, the win over UCLA might not weigh as much now, right, that could be the problem is the resume. They beat UCLA, that's a three loss team. They beat Notre Dame, that's now a four loss team potentially Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. That's now another three loss team. So maybe their resume doesn't stack up, but I feel like there is a bias to, if we can get a one loss conference, power five conference champion in there to, to satisfy all the regions of the country and everything. I think there is a, a want to get the Pac-12 champion in. Obviously TCU, I think took the biggest step uh, forward um, because Texas looked like the biggest uh, obstacle still on the, on their path, but... I think for Tennessee I'll let you uh, I'll let you give your uh, impressions about this list but I think at this point the only scenario I see Tennessee not getting in the playoff is I think if like I said if USC is a one-loss conference champion and TCU runs the table I think that's and then obviously the Big 10 champion and Georgia get in I think that's the only like perfect storm scenario where Tennessee doesn't get in the playoff or you're talking like Michigan, Ohio State is like this potential just amazing overtime one score game or something where you're like, oh, you know, these actually might be two of the best four. like if there's some kind of but I don't necessarily see that I I see and I I just see if if the if USC and I don't even think that's a that's a likely thing for USC to take care of business and only in the season with one loss. But I think if they do and TCU stays undefeated, I think that's the only scenario that keeps Tennessee out.
1: I mean, you look at USC schedule, it's <laughs> I think they have one ranked win to this point point. Um, and their biggest test and really only test was Utah and they lost. Um, I don't think USC is strong in the committee's eyes. And I get what you're saying where it's like you want to put the Pac-12 or you want to get as many regions involved in the playoff as possible. But I think there's a reason that Tennessee started the CFP at number one overall Um. And they haven't forgotten about the wins. And if it comes down to it where you have a one loss Tennessee team versus a 12 and one USC team, the committee is going to go in there and be like, we can't good conscience put USC's uh, body of work over Tennessee if they run the gauntlet and finish 11 and one. You just you can't do it. And I I think I saw Peter Burns of SEC, uh, the SEC network. Do you see his tweet today?
0: Um, I don't think I did.
1: He tweeted. He, I think he talked to a odds maker at ESPN or someone who writes about uh, sports gambling at ESPN. He asked him, like on a neutral site, what would USD and Tennessee be at right now? What would the line be? And I think he said seven and a half for Tennessee.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see that for sure. It's, it, I don't know. It's what, what is Tennessee's resume? I, I figure like a lot of it was hinging on that win against Alabama. Like, no, I mean, LSU, LSU's win looks yeah, LSU, significantly bigger now. That's a really good win too for sure but once Georgia if Georgia like most people think beats LSU handedly they now have three losses like is that kind of change people's opinion of LSU or if they, they somehow trip up like I mean they almost lost to Arkansas this week like they mm-hmm. arguably should have lost that game the the way it came out but LSU didn't look great this week if they somehow get tripped up and lose to Texas A&M they're still in the SEC championship like I don't know. We we've seen Alabama all year, just kind of look kind of mediocre playing on the road. So I, if that's the if that's the number one thing on Tennessee's resume, I don't know how valuable it necessarily is when you you look at USC, how much just like a trump card it is. We look at USC's resume. If you have wins over Oregon, wins over UCLA, and a win over Notre Dame, like I, and you have that twelve. Wait, where's one, the Oregon win coming? Potentially in the in the Pac-12 championship.
1: I don't think Oregon's getting in now.
0: Well, I mean, who's getting in? I mean, I
1: think Utah's going to run the gauntlet. I think we're getting like Utah USC.
0: Oh, and that, that's Under- an even better point. If we yeah. get Utah USC, and they are able to beat Utah, like I think the next best thing to an undefeated season is a one loss season when you avenge the one team that beat you, right? So,
1: and the funniest part is, I think Washington's the best team in the Pac-12, and they're just being forgotten about. I think uh, Washington's proven proven a lot like if you put any given sunday or any given saturday and had to bet on one pac-12 school right now uh, above the rest to just win any game against anybody i'd probably go to bat for michael pennix offense, and so we'll get to that game but um i don't know i don't think the pac-12 and the acc i mean oregon i thought had the strongest case because oregon was beating the crap and they were winning impressively yeah. and even like there was it's a different there's a difference in the way oregon's winning and had been winning versus usc There was a stark contrast between the way they were rolling. They were, what, 30 points uh, or more every single game? uh, I think it was 40 or more. 40, yeah. Um, Bo Nix playing out of his mind. Um, I think he's only thrown like two picks or something this year to this point. Um, Yeah. No, it was... Oregon was rolling in a different capacity and I think had a lot more sway and a lot... You could sell me on Oregon a lot more than you could USC because... You watch USC week in, week out. That does not look like one of the four best teams in the country. And I think the committee um, sees that. I will say, though, it's not that one that worries me. The only, I think, if Tennessee finishes 11-1, and I think the only way they get held out of the playoff, because um, I think even uh, whoever loses the Michigan-Ohio State game, I think is out, based on the body of work to this point. I think they would have had to do a lot better in the style points thing, and especially if Michigan loses, and with the rest of their non-conference schedule and everything else, they're not getting in over. Uh, Tennessee in that situation. I mean, in terms
0: of style points, though, they both have them. Like Michigan is what? Top 10 in the country in points per game, top five in uh, points per game, like d- defensive points per game allowed. Like they're, they're, I mean, they were
1: behind it at Rutgers last week. Ohio State was down uh, against but they ended Northwestern. It took them in big, the fourth quarter sure. to run away with that one. Tennessee's not doing that. They beat Kentucky 44-6. 40, they beat Mizzou 66 to whatever. I mean, no, that's true. it's a little bit different. They're not playing with their food. Uh, Tennessee is not. So maybe they would do in the, down the stretch these last two weeks a little bit on the road to finish. Um, and williams Price, we know, is kind of an underrated environment and it's going to be a night game so I'm sure it's going to be hype and we know how Tennessee fared uh with loud sounds on the road two weeks ago so it is something to to monitor if that game gets weird but um I don't know I think it's the what I was going to say is that I think the only way Tennessee doesn't get in or the thing that worries me the most is if LSU beats Georgia if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC title game that's when things get super weird for the committee because a 10 11 and 2 LSU team but one of the losses is to the team that and got blown out at home, who has one loss, didn't play in the SEC. Are you going to have the Cajones to put LSU in over Tennessee and jump them for beating Georgia, who Tennessee lost to? But again, we saw it at home earlier this season where Tennessee beat the living hell out of them. I don't. I don't know what the committee does in that situation. I lean they would put in the SEC winner. I think they would probably put in LSU over Tennessee. And if you thought Tennessee fans were obnoxious before, and you thought <laughs> things were bad before, you put in a t- eleven and two LSU team over Tennessee, and you leap them to get your two SEC teams in the playoff. Oh man, just I just I don't think the good folks, even the committee, even wants that because the calls, the emails, everything else for months uh after that will be never are you you
0: inciting something right now i'm not inciting (laughs) something
1: i am saying that like i've seen how things have gone in past coaching searches here on rocky top and i've seen situations at home uh with a certain rival in town with mustard uh bottles and golf balls like History tells me I would just be a little concerned about the scenario of LSU hopping uh, Tennessee to make the playoff um, if they were to finish this thing out and win, win the SEC. But I don't think that's going to happen, but that's I'm going to be the biggest Georgia fan uh, on uh, the SEC Championship Saturday uh, in a few weeks. I'm just going to be, go dogs, like sick em. Yeah, how about those dogs, right? Lad McConkey. he's got a little bit of Wes Welker in him. Uh, Stetson Bennett, that guy's a gamer. I just... I see number one overall pick. Um, was that a bit of Todd Monken? I don't know what we're seeing with Josh Heupel. Like Todd Monken, that man's a genius. Like run the football, throw the football, you plug and play when you're at the university. Are being of sarcastic
0: Georgia. right now? But Todd Monken, I'm not being th- sarcastic. Th- I'm just Lies saying I'm going to amp all of it
1: them. up. I'm just going to be the the ultimate dog fan uh, in a couple of weeks, and that's your one time. You'll get it from me.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's going to be the the craziest scenario. I think I was actually having this conversation with my brother on Saturday. I just he he's insisting uh, that SEC champion will not be kept out of the playoff. And it's really hard to see the SEC champion getting held out of the playoff. Like the, the, the best precedent we really have is what 2016 Ohio state Penn state with them being a two loss big 10 champion and they beat Ohio state mm-hmm. and they still put Ohio state in the playoff. Cause that was their only mm-hmm. loss.
1: At the Tennessee situation, there
0: win LSU, but the the only difference is like Tennessee smashed this two loss team mm. at their place. So I just I'm not really sure how you could justify. It's like the reason Tennessee's not in the in the SEC championship game is because the SEC East is is better than the SEC West essentially this year, right? Like there's there's two one loss or an undefeated teams at the top of this uh, division of the conference, and that's not the case on the other one. So it's really hard to see, and I think. Basically going back to talking on USC, I don't think that's the most likely scenario. And so I I think just looking at what they've been all year, I don't see them. I think like that's the perfect storm of Tennessee's getting out of the play, not getting in the playoff. I just don't see USC really running the table at this point for all the reasons we said. And so at the, with really what it comes down to, like I, I think Tennessee is definitely going to get one of those playoff spots. I'm really sh- curious to see what they do with the seating. Um, when it comes to a potential Georgia-Tennessee rematch, but TCU is also like the Big Twelve. Like, let's not pretend we have the Big Twelve figured out now, right? There's there's two weeks left and a conference championship. If TCU is a one-loss conference champion, excuse me, I think there's still some conversation of TCU getting like the four seed over. Uh, like, I mean, who or, like if you, tennis, how Tennessee? Are you that? Would, be, would you? Tennis, I think they drop out like
1: point. I think Clemson or UNC would jump them as a one loss team if TCU drops one. I don't think the committee wants to do this. I don't think they want to put TCU in there.
0: But see, I I think Tennessee gets the is like the clear 3 at that point. Yeah. Once you are behind the winner of Ohio State Michigan. Yeah. But then I, I think TCU, I mean they have a better resume than than say the loser of Ohio State Michigan one at that point and then the one loss ACC champion if there's a two-loss Pac-12 champion, like I don't know who's getting in over TCU at that at that point. If there's still a one-loss Big 12 champion, like, but they it's got just funny too to because Baylor I learned or something like
1: that. Someone tweeted this where, um and I forgot where I got this from, but I thought this was eliminating, because what I've been saying on this podcast for the last like three weeks is we already know who the four best teams in the country are, and we're just finding ways. And there's no disrespect to TCU, USC, whatever. We
0: don't know. I no, I just we know. Agree.
1: We know Georgia. Ohio State, Michigan, and Tennessee are the four best teams in college football this year. We know that they're a combined two hundred and three and sixty against conference opponents. Conference opponents,
0: of of course, those teams look like the best right now. But like TCU, according to what people think and what Las Vegas says, TCU should have lost this past week by seven, but they didn't. Like we don't know all of this. Like TCU is undefeated. Like I think the Big Twelve has been a really solid conference. Like I, I don't know for a second that Ohio State or Michigan is is for a fact is better than TCU. Like I can't. I just... mean, if you
1: put no, I know for like I shouldn't say I know for a fact. My gut tells me the committee wants no part of TCU Georgia in the quarterfinal. They want they do not want to do Georgia Hawaii.
0: But I mean, who, who do who do they want? I'd rather see Georgia, Tennessee, Georgia, TCU than Georgia, Tennessee. They're, the not gonna not, they're not going to do that
1: either. They're not going to do a rematch. Uh they're going to separate them. Because remember, they can do whatever they want. They don't have to just put one four and you only get to move up a certain way. They're going to put it for the best television matchup and they're going to avoid because I think Georgia, what was it last year where Georgia should have been um, after losing the CC title game? They got the third spot, right? And Cincinnati was at four. Is that right? Didn't they? Yeah, but that's how it should have been. I don't think so. I think Georgia should have been Cincinnati four. Cincinnati
0: should have been ahead of Georgia. I based think. On I mean, what? they were undefeated.
1: I, I, I just, I, guess I don't know.
0: On AAC schedule, I don't know. You no. lost your
1: last win. You got rewarded. Cincinnati for Cincinnati
0: wouldn't have been ahead of Oklahoma State. Had All right, Oklahoma you won the State national won title. Match. What are we doing? Yeah, you won
1: the yeah. National, yeah.
0: national title, Matt. No, and though no, no, don't think. I don't <laughs> see play suggested. Georgia was clearly better than <laughs> Cincinnati last year. Cincinnati was just glad they got an invite.
1: Well, either way, what I'm saying is I don't think like if they, if if it's Tennessee, my gut tells me, and this is what I'll tell my uncles and filming in the group thread last night. Like I'm cheering for TCU each week and we'll get into TCU in Texas. Like they're just an easy team to root for. Like it's a really fun story. And TCU, I don't think has to lose for Tennessee to still make the playoff. I think the main thing is you need to have, um, LSU lose to Georgia. And I think you need probably just to feel a little bit better, um, a little bit more Pac-12. action of killing each other you may need one more of those like usc doing and then you're you're in good shape um because i don't think they're going to put in the loser of the michigan ohio state game over tennessee i don't think that's the case um that being said if they tennessee does make it in they're not going to pair them with Jordan in round one it will be tennessee versus ohio state and or michigan in the first round i just lock that in lock that in if tennessee runs the gauntlet um, the next two weeks, that's how it will go. Um, they'll get that one, which will be, you know, the network, and that's part of this. Is the networks want you get Ohio State's offense and C.J. Stroud against Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee offense. You know, the committee has to think about stuff like that. That is going to be a good game. That is going to get ratings. That is going to be the high flying action that you want in one of those games. And then you're like, all right, we'll sacrifice the other one Georgia TCU where that won't be over by the end of the first quarter and people can move on and we'll see what happens in the the actual finals and the week or two weeks or whatever after but um, how does the
0: committee justify that at this point? they don't have
1: to who cares They're the committee
0: at this point and that's why i didn't understand why they went ahead and put tcu ahead of tennessee that's why it didn't make yeah. any sense because there's they no right or reason they that's why tennessee done doesn't know what to do
1: right now that's why tennessee dropped 66 they're like are we supposed to stop like why do we go from one to five how did tcu jump us in a week when we were at number one like and we only like
0: well and that's why it, it didn't make any sense and they honestly didn't help themselves out because if you continue to keep Tennessee, like Tennessee has absolutely nothing to gain on starting with this Missouri game and, the, and now South Carolina, then Vanderbilt, there's nothing that was going to improve their resume from this point out. Hmm. TCU is going to beat Texas. Like they just did have who else they have Baylor, somebody else, Iowa state. I think I want to say is their season again,
1: the championship and we've seen and what Kansas probably state Kansas state. state. To do it's like, those program. are,
0: Yeah, and those are way more good data points to be like, if you need to manipulate the rating somehow at the end, like, yeah, we'll put TCU ahead of Tennessee. But you could have just made your mind up, like, yeah, TCU's had some good wins, but you know what Tennessee did early? We we couldn't ignore that, so I think their resume is still better. And it's boom, Tennessee's three, TCU's four. But the way they've done it now, Tennessee can't do anything to jump TCU, so you're just going to be like, uh you know what, we don't want to see Georgia-Tennessee again, so they're going to be number three. is like, what? What the hell is this? We got to play Georgia first round now? Like- but
1: they're going to do that. I promise you they do not do Georgia-Tennessee in the first round. Promise you.
0: There's a reason. They haven't done it yet.
1: They haven't done an SEC versus SEC team to start yet. No, they and I don't
0: want them to. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I hope we do avoid that matchup. But, yeah, it's getting... I hope you're right. I think Tennessee, Ohio state is a, is a matchup that a lot of people want to see from an offense versus offense uh, perspective, but uh, that, Ohio- that, that, that Tennessee, Michigan uh, rivalry, that goes deep that goes back to the Charles Woodson stealing and Peyton Manning's Heisman days. So uh, that's, that will also be a good one. So I don't know. It's looking like it's going to be hard to keep the balls out of uh, out of the CFP. Hate to see it. I think it takes it. think I think it takes that perfect storm, and I just don't see it happening. And... Hi, Jake. Falls in the playoff. <laughs> and um, in the one loss ACC. We didn't really get to that. No, they're not in. Like... like you,
1: you threw them in. I don't think there's a path. I think they there's no respect there. What
0: did where did Clemson I the path, fall? I think the path. Where did path Clemson fall? Is Just what are the the rankings that just came out? Like the AP poll. This week? no, I'm Clemson's talking about the CFP
1: not... rankings. Where where did they fall to?
0: Um, I'd have to. Look Clemson, I think, at... went to
1: ten, right?
0: This past week,
1: I yes. think you're right. um Mine's not pulling up right now. They went to
0: um nine. Okay.
1: I don't see them moving up. North Carolina is thirteen like, right now. Yeah, but I don't I think mean, there's a path. But I no. will say, one Drake loss. May in the college bowl playoff would like to see it. I don't think they win a playoff game, but I would like to see Drake May play football one more time. I would like to see uh, if Georgia was able to slow them down. That'd be fun. Throw UNC in there. Why not? Drake may be fun. Clemson, keep them the hell out. No chance. Get them out of here. We don't want Clemson in the College Bowl playoff. Um, Matt Green, We have, speaking of UNC, we get the conference clinchers. We get UGA, LSU clinched um, in the SEC. Uh, we also get Clemson versus North Carolina uh, in the ACC title game. Which one are you more intrigued by, Matt Green?
0: I'd say I'd have to be more intrigued by uh, Georgia LSU because Hmm. it's the SEC championship. Uh, But obviously I think North Carolina Clemson is going to be a good game. I think, you know, it's good to see, but like you, like we're just talking about, like you, yeah, maybe we're seeing the eighth, eighth, number 18 versus number 10 in the conference championship. And you're like, Oh, this is a entertaining game. And then you, turn your tv off and don't think about the ACC for this the year you know <laughs> it's like this LSU Georgia just has something on on the line like maybe LSU has an outside chance i i still feel like it's hard it's hard to justify them jumping into the playoff i think they need a little bit of chaos like if you're comparing like i don't know it it feels like you need 3 SEC teams to make the playoff For LSU to be able to get in there, it's just it's hard to justify them ahead of Tennessee. But just from that storyline, I think Georgia seeing number one versus number like five, number six at that point in the season will probably will be just a much more interesting game. It's the SEC championship. This what I think the fifth time we've seen uh, Georgia LSU in the SEC championship, and I Georgia's one in three in in those games to this point. So we'll. D.J. Shockley and that gang was the only uh, only one that could get it done. I think. Don't you every, dare!
1: Don't you dare! Don't do this. The what dogs better not do this. The don't don't do this. Don't give Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers a playoff spot. Don't kick. Don't just tank no. to keep Tennessee out. I don't want this. Kirby, you're better than this. Don't even think about it. Go for it um he does it every week in the post game where I, I watch this book and it's like it's hard man these dudes are hard to play against the uh, weekend week we got got a different kind of offense i do like though that kirby mentioned this week um because there's a lot of people who are like oh tennessee runs the baylor stuff I they run the area it's like it's not what we do whatsoever um and kirby talked about it. he's like no the area was this week with uh mississippi state and he called uh tennessee's offense just something else i forgot what the actual terminology but he made it po- a point where it's like like you're playing the triple option one week, the air raid one week, and then something else the one the other week. And it's like it's really hard and to prepare week over week when you have those different kinds of teams. And now you get to go back to more of what you're accustomed to against Kentucky uh this week. That's easier uh to prepare for because it's just more of a traditional style, um, as opposed to what Tennessee and Mississippi State and others have run in the past. So I'm glad he made that differentiation because that's just such a lazy thing I've seen where it's like Taylor, Tennessee's running the Baylor scheme. And I'm like, no, Tennessee is not running the Baylor scheme. And I don't know if you saw, but they are running the football with Mr. Dylan Sampson in the second half. the uh, He passed Eddie Lacey uh, in his all time Louisiana state running record. So Dylan Sampson, watch him. Great burst. We'll talk more Tennessee LSU or Tennessee. LSU. <laughs> I know you're excited. Um, Last thing before we get into our week, uh, what week 11 recap
0: week 12. What was this week 11? This was week 11, sir. Um, it was a doozy my friend well hold on before we get into it very quickly carnell
1: williams because we're not going to talk about texas a&m auburn on the show and what happened cadillac gets his first win as the auburn head coach uh interim head coach great story easy guy to root for jimbo and the Aggies are now eliminated uh from bowl contention um which is just insane for what a preseason number six is that where they were before the yeah, year. um, hard to see. I don't even know when the last preseason number six did not even go bowling. Um, that's um, the last bonkers.
0: one. Um, the most recent, I think, uh, was Texas like mm. in uh, twenty ten, uh, the year after Colt McCoy left and won the national championship. They, I think, they were preseason five. Was it Garrett Gilbert? Was he the starter? Yeah. Uh, and I think they missed a bowl game, and then I want to say. Did Michigan, um, the year they got upset by App State, first year, uh, first game of the season, did they miss a bowl game completely that year? Or maybe they just dropped out of, the, they didn't finish top 25. But I was thinking they may have missed a bowl game. But I, I think they were preseason like five or seven or something like that. It's
1: a good question. I'm not sure. I, I'll pull that up um, a little bit later. Um, Matt Green, how did we do this weekend? I know I followed my heart. This is one of those... Sad things. And i if I could play and license the music, I would play the Titanic song where I went down with the Sam Hartman ship. I went down with the Tulane ship because I let my heart cloud my mind. Matt Green, I knew UNC was going to be Wake. I knew UCF was going to be Tulane. But I was like, you know, Tulane's a fun story. Sam Hartman, our women, all in on Sam Hartman from the looks department. <laughs> you know it. It's, it's just easy to root for him got the eyes bone structure facial hair all that it's what you want in a leader and take it easier there <laughs> i just i uh i don't know i'm kind of concerned i know i got the big one the big upset my upset lock of the week uh mind you the washington Huskies over the oregon ducks uh but how did we do this weekend? I feel like I did well against the spread. That's my thought off the off the dome, Matt Green.
0: Well, you painted a very fanny, fancy picture there, sir. All all just to say that I made up some ground on you. Mm. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, so against the spread, we have a new leader in on the season. Um, I went eight, two, and one against the spread this week. You on the other hand went 6 to 4, 6 and 4 and 1, and now I lead by one game, 62 58 and 4 on the season to your 61 59 and 4. So, 3 weeks to go neck and neck against the spread. And then I also made up some ground overall as well. You were 7 and 4 overall, a solid performance on the week. Your boy over here went 9 and 2 overall. So, big time week. Hold on. Uh, Excuse my only- me? Yeah. you went what nine and two and i went what seven and four
1: i was seven and four at least six and four i was like did you cop a game for me i was like whoa, oh, whoa, okay. what happened there okay. yeah you
0: went seven and four i went mm-hmm. nine and two you are now 84 and 40 on the season and i'm 79 good. and 45 so just five games back really uh really eating into that lead th- this past two weeks i made what I've made up five games on you in just the past two weeks alone overall. So uh
1: all favorites from here on out. Gotta sit on the lead. Nothing but favorites the rest of the way. Can't do it. Gotta big. lock it in.
0: So uh yeah, so we'll see how it turns out. But and then Zeus as well. I don't know. As you remember, there was no home dog of the week he really liked on that sheet, but he <laughs> knew the Oklahoma Sooners could not go into Morgantown, West Virginia, and get that win. So West Virginia Mountaineers we're we're correct and zeus is a uh, seven and five home dog of the week on the season
1: mm. well matt green um let's do you want to get do you have your green line set of the weekend before we get started here in our pick them
0: no let's uh let's just <laughs> let's just jump into it i didn't have one this weekend i couldn't go up all anyone. right there you go you put me on yeah. the spot there i gotta i gotta i gotta come clean
1: Uh, putting him on the spot for a sheet uh, that has been there all week every single week the man (laughs) has not been put on the spot this is not a new that's true it's right
0: there right there in the rundown
1: every week um college football it's our week 11 recap matt green i think um we should start with uh texas tcu uh where college game day was um this was this was weird because I keep, they brought this up on the broadcast and I can't figure it out either. It's like, why Texas can't develop offensive linemen? Um, yeah, I think they had a stat of just a couple dudes who've been drafted in the last like 15 or so years, basically yeah, since the so, young era.
0: Exactly. That's, that was the stat. That was insane to me.
1: Yeah. Because they're bringing in five stars. It's not like they have a dearth of talent. There's a bunch of dudes in the state of Texas they're able to bring in. Just they can't develop them. Doesn't matter who, um, is the offensive line coach flood Herb hand whoever it's just not working and I don't know that just seemed like the thing to me is they lost in the trenches and you would not expect um Texas to lose in the trenches against TCU but they did and I I thought it was interesting there was a lot of big boy catches from Quentin Johnson um this one who maybe looked a little bit like Calvin Johnson with some of these catches like he's just a huge huge receiver and he made some big slant first down catches in this one he was awesome um uh, big big fan of quentin johnson max duggan stood in the pocket he was he was great and found quentin on a lot of those big plays there was a big Kendry miller scamper that kind of caught everybody surprised by surprise and um you know he broke through and it was like 70 yard run and that was a big moment in the game another thing too is bad field position for texas they just could not get out of their inside of their own 10 and inside of their own 20 they were always having to go 90 80 yards a lot of penalties um and tcu to Texas' credit, started multiple drives inside the Texas territory and Texas ensured that they came away with no points. And I, I thought that was going to be the the end of TCU. It's like you cannot have three drives in the first half start in Texas territory and come away with zero points. Like that's just that's this is how you lose a road game um, to a team with a lot more talent and built to go four quarters with you. And Texas just never quite got there. They never quite figured it out enough on offense. They never found worthy enough winning him enough um our old friend uh jaleel billingsley made an appearance in this one bijan was never able to break the big one like Kendry miller to kind of even this game i came away extremely impressed from tcu because they won a game in a very different way on the road where like you said seven point dogs and they just took care of business again they just they keep finding ways to win but i also thought they were the better team on Saturday, I thought that was that was pretty clear. They are better coached, and they just dominated the Texas OL, which I did not anticipate coming in. Matt Green, what did you make of it?
0: Yeah, I agree with basically most of what you said. The my biggest takeaway was just was the defense being played in this game. I think a mm. lot of people are looking at this, and it's always kind of a catch uh, twenty-two, right? When you look at these big 10 games you are like look at Iowa versus whoever they don't they, they can't play offense but sometimes it is just the defense is just making that many plays and that's what it felt like in this I guess you also have the benefit of like knowing these two offenses are good and capable of of making big plays but like for Texas it was the pass rush like they were just all over Duggan the whole first half of this game for the most part and then like you said with TCU's run defense holding Texas to 28 yards rushing just like it was a it was a very impressive performance, and and like you said as well, like to see them win a game in a different style like this, I I thought was the most impressive part about TCU, and I mean also like you look at the box score, like oh you think maybe Texas scored one touchdown? It's like no, just a scoop and score. So like the offense didn't score one touch, didn't even get in the end zone in this game. So uh, I thought it was super impressive. I was obviously a hostile environment, like big game atmosphere. And for TCU to go on the road, this was a this was a huge win.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, we'll see what happens uh, this weekend um, where they go on the road at Baylor, and we'll get into Baylor and what happened to them um, momentarily. Uh, let's go to your Georgia Bulldogs next, Matt Green. Let's talk about what happened in Starkville. You go first. You watched this game in full. What did you see?
0: Um, well, I think you saw another game where Georgia, if they turn the ball over, then they they look beatable. And so they're, you know, Stetson Bennett threw a couple interceptions in this one, and one of them's just you know a ball getting batted down at the at the line of scrimmage, um, and the defensive lineman intercepting it a little a little fluky. But I think this offense is just it's really explosive. Lad McConkey, I think he's really. Like he had some struggles mid-year i think it was the kent state game where it was like three or four games in a row some people say he was battling an injury or i don't know if it felt like he wasn't like a confident like he didn't seem like he was as confident of a player like dropping balls like not really making plays after the catch i think you've seen the last couple of weeks the tennessee game now against uh against mississippi state like this guy, he's a playmaker, and so his big run, I thought, really changed things around him. Like, because, they I mean, they dominated the first half of this game. Like, it was 17-3, I want to say. Uh, like, Mississippi State hadn't really moved the ball at all, and then they took that punt to the house. So that really kind of made the scoreline look like – or 17-6, I want to say, when that happened. Um, so that really made the scoreline kind of look like it had been a close game. But I mean, you know, kudos to Mississippi State and their special teams. It's been one of the best in the SEC this year. So like that's that's part of their team, and that that's a play they made. Uh, but yeah, and then you just saw Georgia. Like it, it got a little close, but then you saw this Georgia offense. Uh, just you know, they just they just took care of business. Ended up dropping forty five. I thought Stetson look Stetson. You saw Stetson's highlight reel uh, touchdown. Just absolutely making the defender. Uh, looks silly. That's the second time he's done that this year. He did that against South Carolina as well. But yeah, I think uh, Georgia was not really able to run the ball in this one. It was, uh, if you take away McConkie's like 70-yard touchdown run, I mean, they really had like, I think it was like 32 carries for just over 100 yards. So they Mississippi State did a really good job of kind of forcing Georgia to, to throw the ball. But I think that's, that's what Georgia is now, that they weren't too – two or three years ago was you take away the run and they're still able to beat you through the air. So yeah, I thought it was still a good a impressive performance from, from Georgia. I, I was a little worried uh, about eating my words. Cause I felt like I was, I was a little brash against Will Rogers being overrated, but I think he kind of saw what Will Rogers is. It's like this offense. They just, they throw short stuff. And I guess a team like Georgia that tackles as well as they do, like you're not going to bust any of these shorts, Short throws into into bigger games. Like if Tennessee wasn't able to do that, like Mississippi State's not going to be able to do that. So, yeah, it was interesting for a couple quarters, uh, but but Georgia for the most part took care of business.
1: It's interesting too because we talked about it in the pregame, uh, what's it going to be like with Stetson on the road? And clearly, there's a pattern now. Like I what were you talking about where he's fifty percent, fifty five percent on the road uh, with Mizzou, and um, what he did against Kent State, where. Georgia, like it really comes down to Stetson in a lot of ways, where if he throws two picks, all right, the door is open a little bit. Um, I thought the rushing was interesting. I don't know what you saw that Mississippi State did because Dejon Edwards was not a factor in this one. We had a weird uh, Kendall Milton sighting, who is the most consistent back um, for Georgia in this one, which was odd, I thought. Uh, Kenny McIntosh didn't run the ball well at all. I think uh, with,
0: with Milton, it was really just the run at the very end of the game. Though. Okay, like, It was like the 35-yard run to kind of seal it. OK, because um, he hardly he feel like he really hardly played in this one.
1: Um, Lab McConkey obviously had the biggest run uh, in this one for a touchdown, but Bowers and Darnell uh, both get TD. So you saw the best of the two tight end sets from um, from Georgia in this one. I just thought it was weird too. Uh, uh Mississippi State cannot run at all on Georgia, but they were still in it for a little bit. But, you know, there's just a, a point in the second half where you're like, man. I, I don't know. I just it felt like a another win that I, I'm sure Kirby wasn't sweating. Um, were you ever at any point like, all right, Mississippi State's doing some stuff that could give them a win and this could get weird in the fourth quarter? Or do you feel like even with Stetson's turnovers and not being able to run the football on uh, Mississippi State that you were still in good shape?
0: Yeah, I don't think he I think after they took that punt to the house, like right mm. before halftime, I think, and then they, they didn't get the two point conversion. So it's 17 12 going into the half. The and then Georgia got the ball to start the second half, and that's I don't know if it was the second, third play where McConkey breaks the seventy yard run, touchdown run. It's like just the fact that you started the second half like that, got up, you know, two scores. It's like it didn't the game never really felt in question. Like so, yeah, I I would say it, like like it was more of a playing with your food. I know a lot of people are saying that these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of felt like that more than anything else. It, it's not to take away credit from Mississippi State. because also the the first interception Stetson threw. It's like that was pressure Mississippi State had on the quarterback. Like he got – they hit his arm as he, he was throwing a deep ball. So Stetson just kind of put a, a duck up there that was easy to intercept. So it's obviously a play Mississippi State made. But, but yeah, he also had a, a couple questionable throws uh, into coverage. So – I don't know i think uh this georgia team i think it's just that's what's so dangerous about them is that if if you can if you can take away the run i think there's still i think there's still enough weapons and they're doing all this without ad mitchell since like the the third game of the season who is the best receiver on this team so i, I feel like georgia's receivers are like a, a common a commonly criticized group but it, it's weird that it's like yeah but but they also have like the greatest tight end like duo that's like ever been seen on one team, like uh, on, like they're also pass catchers on the same team. It, like, it feels like that kind of balances things out a little bit. Um, so it's also, also Marcus Roseme Jack Saint, like you've seen him come on in recent weeks, uh, as well as McConkie is McConkie is a, as a playmaker. Like he might be a little white guy. That's like a two-star three-star recruit. And so people kind of don't give him, he's the, got the sneaky athletic, uh, uh, reputation and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, he's a legitimate playmaker. He's a slot receiver that can that can make uh, that can go deep as well. He's we, he's seen. There's been multiple games where he's beaten receivers deep, so or beaten the the defensive backs deep. So and then just having Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington, I I threw out this comparison the other day. The closest thing I can really think of to that combination, and they're not these guys because they're not the exact same is when the Patriots had Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Like, they're two guys that are just so different. Obviously, Gronkowski was the one that put up huge numbers, and and Washington doesn't put up huge numbers like that. But the way Brock Bowers makes plays after the catch, like, Aaron Hernandez is really the only other tight end I can remember really being used that way. Like, yeah, just throw it to him at the line of scrimmage, and this guy will make somebody miss, break some tackles. It's just absurd. And the – how useful uh brock uh darnell washington is in the run game as well like this guy i'm telling you like he might go pro with like two career touchdowns he <laughs> caught his second career touchdown he might go pro this year because scouts can just see like yeah this guy is a monster like i'm i like i've told you before like i just i don't i don't you can't tell me that there's uh, another t- a second tight end in the country that's better than darnell washington like they're just this this hmm. combination Georgia has. And so as, as a, a total body of pass catchers, I think Georgia has as good of weapons as anyone in the country. It's just maybe their wide receivers aren't aren't the elite of the elite, but they still have some some solid playmakers.
1: Absolutely. Um, let's go to Oregon, Washington next, Matt Green. Woof. Okay. This was my favorite game of the weekend. Um, I don't know if it, it got favorite for you, Matt Green, but goodness gracious. Um, Dan Lanning, I as someone who watched Brian Kelly's uh, decision making in the LSU Tennessee game up close and personal that really screwed the the Tigers early in that one. Dan Lanning's were significantly worse because of what was involved where this is now put up or shut up time you're playing for your playoff lives you went out you're in probably pretty good shape like this is I understand you're one for landing at Oregon you are playing for the college bowl playoff you are playing for just big time get the Pac-12 back in the playoff for the first time in six years the fourth down decision making he had two and I think people are going to forget the two before the half where if they don't get this, they run the clock down the the play clock down and they let it get down to one. And it looks like they're just trying to draw Washington off sides inside. I think it was like they're 30 something. It was 35 maybe. And Bo Nix has a QB sneak at the last moment and he barely gets it. And you're like, oh my God, what are we doing? And they run it out and they get to the half and all that. That was bonkers. Bonkers number one, you can't do it. That would have been an an easy free point, uh, three points
0: for Washington because their kicker's good. uh and then that was on their own 33 with there you go seconds left
1: insanity then you go on the flip side he doesn't learn his lesson I Bo Nix got hurt so he gets his ankle rolled up I don't know if you saw today I I haven't seen what uh, is officially uh his injury from last night but he gets knocked out of the game right Ty Thompson goes in Bo Nix uh, who had been great, uh, I think he was averaging like 10 yards per attempt, like Bo Nix was awesome in this football game, and it was an unbelievable duel to watch him and Michael Penix go back and forth, they decide uh, to go for it um, on fourth down, Bo Nix comes back in the game, like clearly hobbled, clearly not uh, in in great shape, but he's begging to come back in the game inside where was it Matt Green is it inside their 30 where is this one this last one it was on the 34 with the 34 yard line (laughs) they don't get it and he gets hit incomplete Washington ball Washington kicks a field goal um they go up and then you go down the field last little bit Bo Nix clearly not right in this last drive um for the Ducks and then there's a crazy out of bounds, inbounds thing where it's like, did he push him out and then he came back in or did he not? But you can't review that. You can't review if the player was pushed out and come back in. And you didn't I, really have a
0: definitive angle if he no, was and even I don't completely think completely out of bounds either, but right. you got to trust, I guess, the line judge that's right there.
1: Exactly. And they just, I, I just, that decision to go for it on fourth down, it flipped everything. It cost Oregon the game. It was. One of those where it's Bo's not even right. Like you're not, you're doing this when Bo's not even a hundred percent. And I, I don't know who was in his ear telling him to do this, but it was one of the worst fourth down play calls I've ever seen. Um, One of the worst coaching meltdowns I've ever seen. Um, That's a lot to win trust back from the fans for that one. That's going to be something that stings for a while because it knocks you out of the playoff It knocks you out of what could have been a special season because look, Bo Nix has been incredible like that this Oregon team looks like they could be in the playoff like this felt like a playoff type team for them Mm -hmm. and to throw it away for that and again there was some great stuff in this one Bo Nix they let a 10-minute drive in the fourth when Michael Penix Jr. had one of the most bonkers interceptions at the goal line where he could have just thrown it away and he just air mails it uh, when he's scrambling to his right um, to a Ducks linebacker and the Ducks proceed to keep the ball for 10 minutes and then end it with a QB draw touchdown by uh, Bo Nix that was beautifully scripted. I just what a gut wrenching way to lose and this game had it all but I I mean I, whew, what do you think of it Matt Green?
0: So the only um, decision I can think of off the top of my head that was worse um, just so easily a second guess was the Kirby Smart the fake punt against mm. Alabama in 2018 mm. only because in that scenario alabama just wasn't scoring on georgia every single time i think that's that's the one because i was shocked listening to cover uh the cover three their their instant reaction earlier today that uh tom Fernelli was the only one that was that was even disagreeing with this with this call like they were they were acting like, well, yeah, this is what you have to do in this scenario. Like you gotta go for this. And it's I'm like, what what are you even talking about? Wait, like they I, were
1: saying he should have like that. Was the right call? The second one? Yeah.
0: Everyone except Tom Fernelli is like, absolutely not. Like, especially like both of me and you where we were texting, like, yeah, without Bo Nix in the game, like I can kind of I can I can play devil's advocate for it because. Washington was was absolutely torching Oregon, right? So Mm -hmm. you're just saying we we can't afford to give them the ball back. They're gonna score on us and beat us, right? So Mm -hmm. I guess that's the logic. But without Bo Nix in the game, okay, make them do that, right? Don't just give them the ball on the 30-yard line. Like I just I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like without Bo Nix in the game, because like you said, Bo Nix had been so good. He's he's such a dynamic player. Like you put it in his hands on fourth down. Like he's got an opportunity to scramble, run for it throw for it like make something happen but with a true freshman in there does Washington really think or I'm not sure true freshman but with a backup quarterback in there does Washington really think um you're that uh Oregon's gonna pass here like they went all out against the run and they absolutely like the guy slipped but they blew that play up like it was one of the worst coaching decisions I've ever seen I I just can't imagine like what like even a minute 26 with multiple timeouts like that's a long time in college football but like mm-hmm make them make them come down and beat you like you're still at home you got that home crowd behind you like I don't know it just I can't understand Wait, am
1: I misremembering Did Bo Nix not come in for the fourth down or did he I thought he did
0: no Bo Nix still wasn't in the game for that oh, I thought he down. came back for that
1: fourth he came down. So back he came back in, in for the final drive I thought he was they, in for that yeah. fine I was thought he was in it for the fourth down played the handoff so he didn't hand it off to him it was no, Thompson no. okay
0: and that's oh, that. I feel like that was the worst part to me. Yeah. it's like if if Bo Nix. No, you're in not there, throwing it
1: with with Ty Thompson there.
0: No, there's just no chance that uh, I just I I couldn't I couldn't get it like like you said it, it almost spoiled like what was like the best game of the day like this game mm. this game had everything Michael Penix put put the team on his back like he just
1: he put the team on his back though
0: I was I wasn't gonna reference it again but uh but exactly like. It was uh, so that's the only thing I can I can kind of defend it is that you kind of reading the game that like if we give the ball back to Washington, they're just gonna come down and score on us anyway. Maybe we can can try to try to pick this up, but oh man, I just that's me trying to play devil's advocate at the time. I'm just thinking, what the hell are they doing? You seeing this, Jake? You seeing this? What the hell are they doing? Like it was just it was insane.
1: Michael Penix. Eleven point seven yards per attempt, two TDs, four hundred yards uh, through the air. Uh, Jalen McMillan had a, one of those catches you don't see very often, where he rips it out of uh, the Oregon defenders' hands, which should have been a pick, and he comes down with it and like he fights for it. And there was probably, and I think it was probably an Oregon pick, but he wrestled it out of him as they were going down and when they were on the ground. But it was that was a big moment. He had a bonkers throw down the left side that went for seventy yards, where just the arm strength from Michael Penix is just. He was incredible. Um Kalen DeBoer is doing a great job uh with the with the Huskies, but huge win for them. Um, I'm curious if they make the Pac twelve title game. They're uh, they're a really fun team. Um, you got the Apple Cup left and I don't know who they're is their remaining
0: opponent? Um uh, green. You're the Husky, oh, I'm expert. I'm not sure off the top of my head. We go to yeah, U in a couple can, of years. You can have Michael Penix, man. Me and me and my guy Mel Kuyper, we want we want Will Levis. Colorado at home. But- so yeah, they should I mean, they should finish what ten and two. Yeah, I would think so. But also, yeah. but not, they won't get into the Pac-12 championship. I don't Can know. they not? I don't no matter know. what, I don't, think, I don't. I'm not sure. There's really a scenario for them to get in, because um, they have two Pac-12 losses. They have two. I mean, I guess they're. I guess with. I mean, there's so many teams with two losses right now. I don't even know what the scenarios are. We need. We should probably revisit that now that I'm looking at this um usc's nine and one and we got four teams at eight and two i know mm-hmm. i know we got utah uh oregon this week so yeah things can get a little I was crazy say, wait the they Pac-12. have to be
1: able they only have one loss and it's arizona state on the red the no Pac-12. they have
0: they have two conference losses oh wait, the I'm, other sorry, one. I'm, not, I'm i'm who washington
1: i think they only have one
0: I'm looking at the standings right now. I can look at their schedule, but actually Oregon and Utah only have one conference loss. So, Oh, wait, USC, I forgot they Oregon, lost to UCLA.
1: Utah. Yes, they lost to UCLA too. I forgot. They lost back to back. Okay.
0: So yeah, that. UCLA and Washington are both five and two in the conference. Mm-hmm. Utah, Oregon are six and one, and then USC seven and one. Yeah, so. they're not getting
1: in. Yeah, there's no way. They just played spoiler to keep, you know what it was? Chris Peterson dialed it up and he's like, we are the last Huskies. We are the last Pac-12 team to make the playoff. Let's keep it that way. Kick them out. Let's do it.
0: I mean, if that's uh, whatever, whatever helps, whatever helps you sleep at night, I guess. You know, I can't. Um, it wasn't a good thing for the Pac-12. I think Oregon had a legit shot. You know why? I I had this whole thing prepared for mm-hmm. our college football playoff talk next week, but now Oregon's Oregon's blown it. So, what I was gonna tell, say to you that it kind of hit me. I, had, I these were shower thoughts, had an epiphany while I was in the shower, and I was like. Mm-hmm the committee is not going to keep Oregon out for Tennessee because basically you're telling the PAC 12, don't ever schedule a game like Oregon, like Georgia or an sec big time non-conference opponent. Cause that's going to keep you from getting in the playoff. If, if Oregon was sitting at one loss and it was just to Georgia, I think they would almost that tiebreaker would almost be like, Hey, you guys went out and played someone like Georgia. We're going to put you in the playoff. But it's a, it's a moot point now because Oregon's got two losses and Dan Lanning just, uh, uh, I don't want to blame it all on that decision because it was obviously a really good game um, and I think Dan Lanning is still a good coach, but man, I, uh, a head-scratcher for sure.
1: There you go. Um, Ole Miss, Alabama, uh, the sky is not falling for Alabama um, as they look like they are uh, well on their way to finishing ten and two, get double. You don't win. think ten
0: and two is the sky falling at Alabama? The sky is no. absolutely falling at Alabama.
1: The sky is fine. Um, Bama fine. Uh, they win late, big win late. Lane Kiffin throws his clipboard uh, on the ground as J- uh Jackson Dart misses Mingo in the end zone. Um, great defensive play by Bama. Um, great uh goal line stand. Uh, in this one, but. Gibbs, only six carries, three yards. And then Quenchon Jenkins, who's just been awesome for uh, the Rebs all season long. Um, he ran all over Bama in this one, didn't matter. Uh, three TDs, no picks for Bryce Young, solid. Um, they scored on four consecutive possessions in the second and third quarter um, to get back in this one. I think they were down 17 7 early. But here's the thing Old Miss and Alabama Mac Green are well on their way to finishing 10 and 2 a piece top of the SEC West is going to be fine. They might have three 10-win teams uh, at the end of the season. Pretty wild. And also back-to-back 10-win seasons for Kevin at Lane at uh, Old Miss. Pretty, pretty good stuff if you're the Auburn Tigers looking for your next coach. I'm not sure you'll find anything better. Uh, You're counting an awful lot trench. of
0: chickens before they're hatching, there, sir. i would be saying, Ole Miss—they still got Arkansas. They still got Mississippi State. That's We a, know how
1: Mike Leach is in rivalry games. We can go they, ahead and pencil that one in.
0: They haven't clinched that that ten and two by any. They're means, well on their way. But like nine and
1: three, I think, is worst case scenario, and ten and two and nine and three and back back years at Ole Miss is still big time.
0: No, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I'm glad you you brought Jameer Gibbs. I really want to know what the story is <laughs> is there with Jameer Gibbs not yeah. not playing like basically at all in the second half. Um, this team, I, these, these receiver group, they just, they do not make the plays that we're used to seeing these Alabama receivers make. It's just, there's just, it's not even like they have to be spectacular plays. It's just, it's just like a, maybe a tough contested catch. Maybe it's a a catch on the sideline, just pick up a first down. Like there's your, it's just so many uncharacteristic, just kind of not sharp, uh, things we're seeing from this Alabama offense. Like it feels like, if, if Bryce Young isn't making a highlight real Heisman plays like this offense, isn't really moving the ball. Like I just, it, it was kind of crazy just to see, like, I think, I think the game changed really when Zach Evans fumbled uh, right there before the half, like they, they're up 17, seven at that point, like going into the half potentially. And I think Alabama, I mean, obviously got kind of a uh, screwed at that point. Cause they blew that play dead and that should have been a, a scoop and score. But they were, I feel like they were still fortunate to get that fumble right before the half and make it 17-14 because it I don't feel like 17-14 really reflected how how Ole Miss kind of dominated that first half. And so to, to get it to 17-14, I think that kind of gave Alabama the confidence. Like, we've played an awful two-quarters of football, but we're we're still right here in this hostile environment. Like early on, it was. I mean, I saw a Graham Coffee tweet early on. It was looking like this thing could be a could get into a blowout like they were just moving the ball at will and he was he Graham Coffee tweeted out like if if Ole Miss beats Alabama convincingly like what do we do with Ole Miss in the playoff rankings like we got we got Tennessee up here at 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 five they beat Alabama by three in this crazy game if if Ole Miss beats Alabama convincingly like what are we going to do with with them in the rankings but as as Ole Miss is probably used to playing Alabama, they just always, they always punch back. They always seem to answer everything. Um, Ole Miss plays Alabama well, but they just, they seem to find a way to win uh, in the end. But yeah, I, I think you have to be worried about Alabama just in terms of like where this program is right now. Like this was supposed to be like the culmination of talent. Like, okay, last year, like people gave Saban a hard time for saying it was a rebuilding year, but like, that 2020 Alabama team is like one of the greatest teams I think we've ever seen. So they lost like 12, 14 guys to the NFL draft, whatever it was like five, six first round picks. It, it was reasonable to say, you know, we're not going to be just elite of elite in 2021, but in 2022, we had the best defensive player in the country, the best offensive player in the country. Like we're loaded. And for this to be another two, a two loss, what the second two loss season in like what, th- four years, three years, mm-hmm. Like or four years, I should. So, yeah, it's it feels like it feels like Scott the change is coming
1: to run the offense next year. They're fine. Like I'm not worried. I I'm not the least bit worried about Alabama.
0: Uh, who's also, the go ahead and lock that one year. in.
1: He's the most obvious uh, Nick Saban redemption tour candidate. I I think of this cycle. Uh, Scott Frost is winding up at Alabama.
0: You think so? Is he? Yeah. I don't even know. He was uh, at Oregon
1: mm-hmm. uh, under UCF, who? Yeah.
0: Under was he under Chip Kelly? Yes. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. He that that's definitely an, an element that would uh play nicely at Alabama. It, it feels like they're going to clean house. Like there's something yeah. going on um, with this program. They just don't feel they don't feel as sharp. They just don't feel as elite of elite like they once did. Yeah, they might still have a solid ten and two, win the bowl game, go eleven and two. But they feel like the kind of team that's going to have a lot of opt outs too, like uh, for the bowl game. So. I don't know. Is, does Bryce Young play in the in the Capital One bowl? Like I would imagine not. I imagine Will Anderson's not playing in that game. So I don't know. It's uh it's it's strange territory for a Nick Saban team to be right now.
1: Still number one class for our next year cycle. They're gonna be fine. Until Nick Saban and the Who's class. the starting
0: quarterback next year?
1: Uh that's a good question. I don't know. Ty Simpson?
0: Yeah, like it could it could be Ty Simpson, like uh I'm blanking on Jalen Milrow. Milrow. There you go. Um, I wasn't impressed with the little bit we got to see of Milrow this year. So I don't know. I think there's, there's some question marks. Who's the, who's the starting running back? Like, is it McClellan? Like Jameer Gibbs is gone. Like, I don't know. These playmakers kind of, they hit the portal again, like with Ricks and Jermaine Burton. It's like you're kind of maybe questioning how much they were going to the portal. Like, I don't know. I think there's some, there's some question marks to ask about Alabama LSU beat some year one of Brian Kelly, like LSU, this could just be the the tip of the iceberg for what a Brian Kelly LSU becomes. So I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of uncertainty also got to play uh, the, the Vols every year. We can't, we can't stress uh, how, how big time that, that rivalry could become again.
1: You never know. You never know um let's go to our speaking of lsu let's go to lsu arkansas mac green lsu another win differently uh kj jefferson was not in this game um malik hornsby could not throw a forward pass so that quickly uh ended for the hogs uh they go to a third string quarterback in this one um he has one big play
0: north quinnett guy
1: is he a north quinnett guy Cade fortin yes sir there you go um look at Gwinnett Lanier was at Calzada you got Sam Horn Collins Hill going to Mizzou look Gwinnett's just a QB factory all of a sudden for the SEC
0: oh yeah without a doubt
1: um Hogs just could not pass at all uh Raheem Sanders was shut down by LSU and Harold Perkins uh he had a strip sack to end this game uh late but Brian Kelly, after the game, compared him to Michael Jordan, uh, we were we learned. So um, that is out there uh, this week that he compared him to Michael Jordan. And then uh, Perkins' final line, two force fumbles, four sacks, and eight tackles. He is a true freshman, correct? Like, he's not even a redshirt. He is a true freshman. Yeah. This is insane. He is unbelievable for the Tigers.
0: And I'm glad he was not this good when Tennessee played him. That's why he uh he got one of my helmet stickers this week. Mm. Sir. This uh LSU offense which has been so good of late just did not show up this week. Um uh what did uh Jaden Daniels have like 85 passing yards in this one? Like which mm-hmm. is uh this offense really and against uh Arkansas defense it's just been getting torched by absolutely everybody. Like this felt like a real like emotional letdown of a game. Mm. Like if KJ Jefferson's playing, like LSU just got beat this week. Like mm. I'm I'm definitely convinced of that. Um they just they did not look good this week. But like you said, Harold Perkins, this man was like just a one game, a one man wrecking crew. Like four, four sacks. He was he was the reason that LSU was able to pull this one out. Even at the end, like Arkansas still got the ball like with a chance to to drive down and win it, but but Perkins made the play to to win it.
1: Absolutely. Um, Matt Green, let's go to uh, let's go to Penn State Maryland real quick. Uh, Penn State they shut out Maryland at home. Just a bloodbath that one. Tua, baby Tua, he goes 11 of 22, 74 yards, 3.4 yards per attempt, no TDs. Um, Penn State ran all over him with uh, Singleton and Allen like just all over uh, Maryland. This was ugly. This was never close. I thought the big thing about this one, seven sacks for Penn State uh, here today uh, for the Nittany Lions as they round in. They're just a solid top 10 team. Like they're not a playoff team, but they're just a solid, solid top 10 team. The funniest moment was uh, James Franklin got an unsportsmanlike conduct in this game. Did you see this?
0: Oh, yeah. And, the, the, the and he push-ups. did pushups. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's
1: clownish that. or not. Where, where do you lie on this? I'll leave it to you. Is this a good look or just kind of like, OK, this is cringe you didn't. this is too much
0: i feel like you could probably ask that question about 90 percent of the things that james franklin does mm. it's like i don't know it's just it's his it's his shtick i feel like and mm. the fact that you're the coach i also don't know if that's a thing at penn state if you get a 15-yard penalty if, if players do push-ups or something yeah. but i feel like i respected it because the coach you're like you know i got a 15-yard penalty that's on me I'll do my push-ups. Like I, it was, was kind of cool. I um but you could kind of ask that, like I said, James Franklin is kind of corny in his like in his own way. Like I, I respect I respect his energy.
1: There you go. Um Matt Green, uh let's go to Florida, South Carolina. Florida absolutely embarrasses South Carolina at home. They're figuring out, and this is what I said uh in the preview. Florida knows exactly who they are. South Carolina has no freaking idea what they want to be on offense. And it shows week after week. Florida's like, we're we're building uh, running back you over here. We're going to run all over you. Etienne and Johnson have a big day in this one. They take the ball out of Anthony Richardson's hands through the air. They're like, this is who our, our, our identity is going to be, is we are going to run the football. We're going to play keep away. And we're just going to out-athlete you and out-muscle you uh, over four quarters and it's just it's working like florida's clicking a little bit so you can see what they're building there i just don't know what they're building i mean 400 yards rushing, rushing for florida in, in terms of the gamecocks they're only passing touchdown in this one matt green was a fake punt touchdown uh through the air and that was it spencer rattler no tds no picks like what is this i don't understand what they're doing but Marcus Satterfield I don't think can be back as your OC going to next year if you're Shane Beaver like you've got to re, just throw it out and at South Carolina you got to figure out who you are. are you gonna be a passing team or are you gonna be a running back you team you're like you have Marshawn Lloyd you have talent in the backfield but like you got to figure it out and Spencer Rattler did not solve their problems uh, from a year ago at the quarterback spot and their offensive woes goes way deeper but this is just embarrassing um, this is an embarrassing look for for the Gamecocks and where they are and Florida I think is turning in the right direction and South Carolina looks horrific. Uh, what did you make of it, Matt Green?
0: Yeah, I think that's about, you about nailed it. I think there's not much, much more to add. I think Spencer Rattler, I feel like I wish I would have uh, trusted my instincts on mm. Spencer Rattler, our preseason predictions. You know, I'm just like, I don't know, man. He's He's been pretty solid. He was good as a freshman at Oklahoma, but then once you start to think about it, it's like he's going to the SEC. He's no longer being coached by Lincoln Riley in this amazing offensive quarterback friendly system. Like I think he's just so much worse than anyone really expected him to be. Even the Rattler haters that were just like he's not going to be good at South Carolina. South Carolina's not going 9 and 3. I think Chase Thomas is probably the head of that fan club of uh, South Carolina's not going 9 and 3. What what, I what are we said before people? the season
1: that they were going to be lucky to make a bowl game. The South Carolina stuff was precious and where are we at? They are even if with a they're loss, six do and they...
0: four right now. Yeah, so they're, they're... they've made a bowl game.
1: That's it. You're going six and six. I think they're going six and six.
0: Oh, who do they have next week? They have Tennessee, oh, Tennessee. and Clemson to end yeah. it. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, and they had Missouri. They they got a Missouri team, and then a Florida year one a head coach. Like there were opportunities. Like this could have been an eight and four type of season. And it's just not Spencer Rattler's just just not that guy. Uh, Florida, like you said, they have an identity. Anthony Richardson's four yards away from them having three 100 yard rushers in this game. Yep. Just absolutely torched uh, South Carolina on the ground. Anthony Richardson, I I don't I don't know why I still hear like if he comes back, Florida's going to be ridiculous. Insert whatever you're about to say about Florida's offense next year. Like this guy better come back. He's not going <laughs> to the NFL like. He's he's super talented, but he's he's clearly a run first dual threat quarterback. He's got to get a little bit better uh, through the year. But but yeah, I mean you have to be impressed. Like Florida is really kind of it's funny that both these teams are six and four right now, but it feels Florida's six and four feels so much better than South Carolina's six and four right now. It's I don't I don't know what it is, but it, it feels like Florida's at least trending in the right direction to end the season. They got Vanderbilt. And then Florida State, Florida, Florida State should be a really good one this year. So, yeah. And um, also my favorite Florida Unis, uh, they were rocking this week. The All Blues. Those uh, are good. Classic look.
1: Classic look for sure. Uh, Matt Green, Tulane, UCF. Bad beat by me. I knew like all week I was like, I I want you and just pick UCF. Just do it. (laughs) Like, you know, they're better, better athletes. Like Gus Malzon's going to win this football game. It's in Tulane. All vibes, love Willie Fritz and what they're doing with the Green Wave, um, who should be the 14th team in the SEC. That being said, they they get down big early, and they almost come back, lose by a touchdown. John Reese Plumlee, though, just nobody like him, man. 18 carries for 176 yards, 9.8 yards per attempt, two TDs on the ground, man. Uh, They win the turnover margin, the the Black Knights do 2 nothing and it's hard to win at home. Get a good UCF team when you do that. Uh what did you make of UCF winning this one, sir?
0: Yeah, I was really uh impressed with John Reese Plumley. Uh do we have his measurables? Do we know uh do I know what his combine numbers are cuz I see Taysom Hill all over this mm. guy. I feel like this guy could be a legit playmaker in the NFL. I don't know. He's uh he's he's just so quick, so athletic, but um yeah, seeing him He's the workhorse back in this in this offense, basically. But but yeah, coming in this game, I felt like Tulane had a really good defense, the, or the best defense in the AAC coming in. But UCF, they were just they were a more balanced team, playing complimentary football, like good offense, good defense. Um and that's why I liked them coming in. But yeah, like you said too, better athletes. Tulane was a good story, but but UCF still the best team in this conference.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Matt Green, let's go to Baylor, Kansas State. Are they still your Baylor Bears?
0: Mm. That was tough. They were going to... This this gauntlet to finish the season, they were going to have to to run through it to, to make the Big 12 championship. And 31-3 at home uh, to the Wildcats is not the way you wanted to start it. But um, also... Uh, in my defense, I feel duped because Adrian Martinez only went seven for eight in this game. If I would have known Will Howard was playing, like like I like we said before, like Kansas State's a different team with Will Howard. Adrian Martinez, I think I think this week maybe we finally made the decision that Will Howard is the guy for this offense. So yeah, Kansas State with with him at the helm. I mean this this TCU Kansas State rematch. If we get it, that could be uh it could be a little different next time
1: that's the thing too right like I just can you really go back to Adrian like he gets hurt wasn't benched he gets hurt I don't know like they keep maybe it's just like you keep waiting for Adrian you give him the start every week and it's like any sign of issues we're going back to Will maybe Will is just the hot hand he needs to be on the bench and he needs to be ready to go and teams don't game plan for Will Howard all week and then you put Will Howard in there three touchdowns bam out of nowhere um he's just uh the ready to go guy I mean This was huge. Will Howard was a difference maker for them. I just... Can Kansas State make a decision on who they are as a football team? Like, Can we just figure out who they want to be? Because they flirt with elite, elite, like being the TCU of the conference and also being like the Iowa State. Like they just have the dumb losses this year that you're like, what are you doing? Because then you do this on the road, which is extremely impressive. Like what they did here, extremely impressive. And you just are like, can I... Go ahead. Can I pencil in that? They're going to be great. Um, I don't know. Will Howard has thrown seven TD passes without an interception um, in the three quarters since uh, filling in for Martinez. Like you gotta go. Will Howard the rest of the way here. What are we doing? Got to make the full time change. Colin Klein. Let's do it.
0: Also to correct myself, Will Howard did get the, the vast majority of the snaps uh, the first time they played TCU. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Baylor bears. I think we can finally uh, put a, put a, Put a pin in their Big 12 championship hopes. I think that's over.
1: There you go. Um, they're not out of it, though, if you look at it. Big 12 is a mess right now. The Big 12 Are outside not? of TCU
0: is a mess, Mac Green. Um, they'll need a I lot of help. But... With with Texas and Baylor losing this week, because they still play each other, too, so that's like mm. an automatic win, uh, loss on somebody's schedule coming. I, thought they, I guess you're right. Kansas State still has two losses, so yep. they, there is a chance – Someone else can get in there. Um, who can't State lose to in the conference? TCU and did they lose to?
1: The, it was the nah. dumb one. Wasn't it West Virginia? Who was it?
0: I need to pull it up.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Who did they
0: lose to? Who was the other
1: one? They play West Virginia this week. Um, who was the
0: other dumb loss? Who oh, they, they lost the, to Tulane. Tulane, the, that's what it was. Early on. Oh, wait, no. So that's a non-conference. So they lost to Texas. Oh, Last week, they lost to Texas. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. Texas, TCU, and Tulane as their other. Where they were at yeah. home. And it's just, what are you doing? Um,
1: Let's go to Wake UNC. Your two dudes, Drake May and Josh Downs, Matt Green.
0: Yes, sir. Another one of my helmet stickers uh, on the day. Uh, Josh Downs, obviously. Talk about Drake May every week. I don't want to sound like you and Sam Hartman, you know, just going nuts over here. But yeah, I'm he not going just that.
1: It's the it's the wives. They they <laughs> they are the ones pushing that narrative. It's not us. We're just supporting yeah, he's, the...
0: he's getting his Matt Corral on in the running game, basically. Mm. His John Reese Plumley, if you will. Like 19 mm-hmm. carries for 71 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but 448 yards, three touchdowns, uh, no picks. I want to say he's up to like 35 touchdowns and like three picks on the season. I don't have those stats right in front of me, but he was he's just absurd once again. Like they needed every bit every single one of those points. Like this game mm-hmm. just went uh back and forth. But yeah, Josh Downs, 11 catches, uh, another North Quinnette product, by the way. Uh 11 catches, 154 yards, three touchdowns, gives him a helmet sticker for me on the day.
1: Oof. Um well, it was great. Sam Hartman also had a great game. Um, it's just kind of forgotten. And I think I talked about it on the pod where I was like, hey, you look at the history of this robbery if it's low scoring go wake if it's high scoring go unc um and that's what it was it uh, just got kind of out of hand here uh for um the for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in this one but you know Drake May awesome um the 11 catches 154 yards 14 yards per attempt 3 TDs for um Mr. Downs just top notch stuff so kudos to UNC and I'm excited for UNC i'm think they'll be a fun game great uniform matchup uh, in the ACC title game uh, so it's also just life just goes like that right the teams that recruit the best are now going to play each other in uh, the ACC title game and then last year you had Pitt versus Wake the non-traditional powers it's just funny it just the pendulum goes back and forth like we get the basically the teams who have just been the most dominant offensively and mo- like just most active in the recruiting and all that kind of stuff in UNC and Clemson and then I don't know. It, yeah, uh, I really
0: hope both those teams can take care of business. It'd be a one-loss uh, conference title yeah. game. Uh, any chance North Carolina like shows out, turns Charlotte into a uh, into a uh, home atmosphere?
1: I don't know. That stadium feels like it's never been that right. Like, has anyone ever really taken over that stadium for a neutral site?
0: I think those Bulldog fans took it over last year. With, uh, Do you think against so? Clemson. I don't even know to be honest. But um, I never really heard that as a talking point on uh, a. Yeah if if they did or not, but I don't Remember know. When I they think... ran
1: Tennessee and they took over in the third and fourth quarter of Tennessee, Georgia, the second half? People forget I,
0: that absolutely. Uh mm-hmm. they tried to black it out. They but, did. Um it uh didn't work out too well. I actually heard uh some whispers of a takeover happened in Starkville uh this this past weekend. You'll have to ask like, my brother were, he was there. It they were like trying to pretty good to, turnout they were trying to strike the stadium or something like that. And it huh. was absolutely <laughs> Nothing remotely close to looking like a striped out stadium. So I don't know how if it was just <laughs> lack of fan participation or if there's just a lot of bulldog fans in there, or it's just but, too cold. Um,
1: you can only do that kind of Georgia stuff if it's bulldog not cold, fans. man. Like you cannot book this stuff when it's cold. Like once it's cold, it's and just it's fair.
0: you can't like, do it. I only it. have I only have a certain number of jackets. Right, like, I'm not going out to buy sure. a
1: certain jacket color just to make this color No. It's not happening. I think it's just you can't do it.
0: That could be uh, part of it, but yeah, North Carolina looks good. I, I'm really, I really do hope we get a North Carolina Clemson matchup because it's it's gonna be an. We are
1: well, getting this, it. They both clinched.
0: Oh, that that was clinched this weekend. Yeah, yeah. styles make fights, as they say. So this is it's two very very different style teams
1: um final two here on the rundown um I'll, I'll just do the final one and then we'll hit some other stuff uh with vols and kentucky um who i'm sure you have some thoughts on kentucky here as they get in the cbs spot um mm. this saturday but syracuse gets blown out by florida state at home uh florida state they're quietly cooking with grease with benson and travis travis almost the the grayson lambert the the perfect grayson lambert number 21 to 23 <laughs> in this one um not which, even
0: close to grayson lambert's Impeccable, I think 25 of 26.
1: I'm sorry, well, 21 and 23 is not we'll close. Never,
0: we'll never see it again. Two incompletions, that's easy. You know, one one incompletion. We'll never see a Grayson Lambert like performance. That's uh, sent Steve Spurrier into retirement. He was like, <laughs> Grayson Lambert's just balling. I don't know what I don't know what else to do. Grayson <laughs> Lambert, I just made look like Joe Montana. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang it up now, folks.
1: Uh Syracuse had nine first downs total in this game. Uh, they were one and eleven on third down and had 160 yards game. Uh, Dino Babers basically after the game was like, "Yeah, we're just gonna have to start over. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta figure something out because the points aren't coming." And Syracuse's season has fallen off the the deep end now, so it's unfortunate. But um, Syracuse coming back down to earth post Clemson here. Um, Vols curb stomp
0: Mizzou. On, b- before you move yeah. on, I'm going to uh, you know that meme where it's like. Uh, Someone's like, "Oh, you know, Fal- the Falcons used to be a good, a good uh, NFL team or something." It's like, "Oh, sure they were, Grandpa," you know. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of walk them. Along. That's what we're gonna remember—the Syracuse season. Like, <laughs> we were beating Clemson in the third quarter of a fourth quarter of a game. Yeah, okay, so sure you are. Let's 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 get you to bed. Like Syracuse <laughs> has just been a completely different team since that second half meltdown uh, against Clemson. Like they just, I don't know what happened to them, but yeah, they got to start from scratch. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> that's a good analogy. Um, Vols, curb stomp, um, Mizzou. Uh, there was a lot uh, after the game about uh, the last touchdown bomb from Joe Milton to squirrel white late in this one to give them 66. Uh, Tennessee broke the school record for a single game yardage. Um, they go for uh, over 700 in this one on uh, the Mizzou tigers uh 38 straight run 38 nothing run for the vols in the second half in this one dylan Sampson, who has just been out of it since the lsu game um not because he's hurt he just hasn't played and he just looks like uh, he's going to be an absolute dynamo next year and the combination between him and right jabari small is fine he's great in pass protection that's his main thing but he just doesn't have that burst dylan Sampson's fast as hell, man and he's shifty and he's just got another level to him Jalen Hyatt gets back on track for this one. No Cedric Tillman, which didn't matter at all. Uh, Jalen Hyatt was awesome. Brew McCoy showing out. This is a big, big Brew McCoy game, which was important. Uh, Jeremiah Crawford got binged in this one. So onto that, the left tackle spot's just not great for Hendon Hooker's blind side. Uh, So Gerald Mincy moves back into that spot. We'll see if that's the case at South Carolina this weekend. But the subs go in. And Tennessee still can't be stopped. I've said on this podcast all year long that the Tennessee volunteers the new Spurrier-Florida Gators of the 90s and that there mm. are so many crossovers between the two and people hated those Spurrier-Gators. And if you remember, he ran up the score on the Georgia Bulldogs uh, in the in the 90s. Do you remember that? Where he had the the touchdown pass to put him up, what, 55? Did that give him 55? You know what game I'm talking about? I personally
0: about? don't remember it. But, but you remember the yes, game I'm talking about. When they about? went between the hedges, yeah, yes. they scored 50
1: and look his thing was simple and I agree with this had been if you do this to Tennessee I feel the exact same way it's on record I feel the exact same way we're in a conference game like we are in a conference you play in the same conference as we do you're an SEC team we pulled our starters what do you want us to do it's like if you want Milton to get an important rep, guess what Tennessee does all the time bombs. Like you need to learn. We have to see what Milton he's been overshooting. Like he overshot those a billion times last year. We want to see where he's at in an in game moment. Like is he, is the, is it a better ball? And it's a better ball. Like I'm not saying Joe Milton Heisman 2023, <laughs> but let's, I'm also not saying it. the comp, like the, the, I don't think people are ready for the spurier part of this for the, for the Vols. Cause you're going from Hendon hooker, to Joe Milton, to Nico Ia Maliava, and then Jaden Davis right after that 2024 kid. Like it's just the Rolodex for these Tennessee offenses are just, I mean, look out, this isn't going anywhere. It's mean, it's aggressive, it's brutal. They just, it's amazing that Jalen Hyatt still finds places to be completely wide open. And that happened multiple times in this game. Like I just, Josh Heupel is on another level and I I don't feel bad about it. And the Georgia fans are the worst about this because look, Uh the holding their nose of just like all classes, the amount of stuff I saw after this game where it was like just all class we had look friend of the pot. He's been on this show. He's been getting destroyed by Tennessee fans. I don't agree with this. Don't go after people personally. Um, If they have a different take than you just don't, it's bad. Uh, Don't do that. That being said, Chris Felica of uh, the bear, uh, as you know, he tweeted that he's like, Oh, I, I wonder what coaches in the committee thinks about Tennessee rubbing it in there. And the it's like, you're not holding out Tennessee. You're like, Oh, we're going to teach you a lesson by keeping Tennessee out of the playoff over USC because they didn't show, they, they didn't, they score that extra touchdown late against Mizzou. What do you mean? They think about like, what, what does that even, I, I don't understand that. Well, challenge.
0: I think that perspective is saying like, are these for style points? Are you, are you saying like, Oh. You you beating Missouri by thirty five points, eh, you know that's a good win. But beating them by forty two points, okay. Now this is like a legit Tennessee win. I think that's what it's kind of sarcastic. Like, but we need not, this. Isn't going to change the this didn't change the perception of this game that just happened.
1: Right? I would understand more if it was the starters. I really would. If it was the starters and Henry Hooker still throwing bombs to Jalen in that moment, I'm probably going to give them a little bit more. Like, all right, that was probably a little much.
0: What are you supposed to do? Like I don't. I mean, you understand You're throwing sixty yard bombs up 35 70 points. sir.
1: That was an. It, it, that
0: was a. There beauty. you go. That was That's a just beauty. not. I mean, it's seventy air yards
1: for Senior Day. The last stuff we'll see at Nealon for the rest of the year. Like I don't want to r- see the end of Nealon for this year. Like it's gone until next August. Like I didn't want to see Smoky the last 10's
0: last last home game. Right. It's whose? Smoky 10. This was his yeah, final this was home it. game of yeah, his this was uh, career. It for him
1: um no this was i didn't have a problem with it and it's just the faux outrage over that is just a little nauseating for me but like, i it's feel not like you're deal.
0: talking out of both sides of your mouth here though it's it is bad sportsmanship no it's like, not it is right hold on. no can i finish can i finish it is bad sportsmanship but you're saying you're embracing it we're gonna be spurrier of the florida of the 90s if you're gonna be that they were the villain right like they were they were the ones that threw touchdowns up 60 70 to zero like that's who they were. I mean, we've seen Tennessee athletics. That's what they want to be, right? That's what Tennessee baseball is. They're the villain of college baseball. So if Hypo wants to be this villain, then yeah. That, but that is that is what you can't act like it wasn't poor sports and shit. To be throwing 70-yard 70 bomb, 70 bombs of 35 points with like two minutes left in the game. Like what is that? what does that prove?
1: It's, again, part of our offense and not our starters. Like it's literally an SEC game. You do not get to do, like, if it was Kent State, I get it. Tennessee Tech, I get it. Like, that's just rude. Mizzou, you are a SEC team. It's not our fault that you cannot stop this offense like but that it is... wasn't
0: but that's see then that's where i disagree it's not just running your offense like you're that's throwing one of our bombs. offense you're what do you throwing, mean you're the just, 40-yard
1: plays in the in they college also, this year
0: they also run the ball a lot it's like yeah. that's part of your offense so when you're up that big you can just run the ball this clearly had this was personal for josh heupel and eli drinkowitz and whatever the opinion were was about each other. There was clearly well, no, Let's like, just throw this Drinkwits. out
1: there. This is context. This is the context. Four months ago, Drinkwitz went on Jim Rome and he said, "Quote: I thought you were going to introduce my record," uh Drinkwitz said. But with the latest allegations against Tennessee, let's hold up on what my record is because I expect them to vacate some wins, and that's going to help my record a bit. And then this week, becoming in that they had a blueprint for stopping <laughs> Tennessee's offense. Like, r- like when you say this stuff out loud. These folks take notice like they remember the Jimbo Nick Saban. They all remember what's said out loud like these code. It's bulletin board material. If you're going to talk like when Will Levis is saying um, what I don't remember now. It's just the season where what did he say? A real offense, um, a real defense or something. I think he said real offense like Tennessee is not a real offense. All right. Guess what? We're going to drop 44 and just blow you out. Um, These comments, I guarantee you rubbed a lot of people at Tennessee the wrong way. Uh, what drink said this summer and i'm sure that's part of it is like oh we're i'm gonna get some wins back because tennessee's gonna get some wins vacated uh this year and that's what you're jumping at like you're gonna get some wins back against tennessee because they're gonna lose some wins that you didn't win the game sir you still lost even if it doesn't go in the record book like you still got absolutely obliterated at home last year that's such a weird thing to promote that like and just start a feud with Hypel. And also not. Drinkowitz denied. is
0: uh I feel like has eaten it a couple of times, trying to like kind of talk shit, kind of throw shade yeah. here and there. We had Boston College last year, not yes. Tennessee. Also, Hypo wasn't even there uh when Pru like when all the allegations and mm-hmm. stuff happened. So like maybe he could take that personal if he wanted, but it, it's also kind of like commenting on the previous administration. But um, I don't know. It's It it, you would definitely feel like a certain kind of way about someone throwing touch seventy yard touchdowns with thirty five or seventy yard bombs with thirty five point lead in the fourth quarter. It's it's who Tennessee is. They want to be the villain. They want to be this this guy. They had to get their points per game back up after uh, that performance against Georgia. You know they had to get back up to like fifty or so. So uh, you know they they want to do what they want to do. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it feels like it feels like. You know, kicking kicking a man while he's down, you know, just being the bully on the playground. That's what Tennessee wants to do. You know, they can they can do that.
1: Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, we'll end on uh two non-bullies in the playground. Vanderbilt beating uh Kentucky and ending their SEC losing streak, just rock bottom for the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, Mark Stoops is not leaving Kentucky anytime soon. I, I think this season probably reset that clock of if Mark Stoops gets a better job. Um man. What a loss. What do you make of Kentucky going down uh, at home? At home to Vanderbilt.
0: Man, this was just, like I said to you earlier, like sarcastically, (laughs) like Will Levis. Can we just stop the Will Levis hype train now? Like we, Mel Kuyper has made all the college football world like hate Will Levis. It's not his (laughs) fault that someone said he was a first round pick or even a top five pick or whatever it was. Like he's just, Kentucky's just not. I mean, they even had a hundred and what Rodriguez had like 160 yards on the ground in this one. And like still just to, to have that bad of an offensive performance, like against Vanderbilt, like, man, this was uh CBS is, is kicking themselves right now. I haven't looked at the sec slate completely. I don't know what the next best game is. Cause I think it's, I think there's some Probably of those South November, Carolina
1: Tennessee honestly
0: I think there's some of those November cupcakes on the schedule next week yeah the next week um, is
1: not great like Austin P Alabama
0: yeah so like Georgia Kentucky 330 CBS like that's gonna be an absolute bloodbath and as much uh as much as you talk about South Carolina I feel like that's kind of how I've talked about Kentucky like hmm. yeah they're a more respectable program than they once were but I just Nothing ever scares me about Kentucky. Like I just don't like. There's just there's a ceiling that Kentucky has, and and right now like they're not even hitting their ceiling. Like losing to Vanderbilt, this is this is a huge win for Vanderbilt, but I think it's more it's more of an indictment on Kentucky than anything else.
1: They get Florida at home next week. Do we see Vanderbilt does, wins? Right? Yeah.
0: Who's Kentucky or Kentucky's got Georgia and Louisville to end it out? Mm-hmm. So okay. I mean. Without Florida, can Vanderbilt looked?
1: go bowling? They only have to beat Florida and Tennessee down the stretch.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm not gonna cross my. They did go over whatever their preseason win yeah, total. I did. would say they're safely over. But uh, yeah, I don't think they're beating the Gators this week. This is in Nashville next week. Yes, it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's one of happened. the
1: toughest places to play in college football. People forget that.
0: <laughs> People too forget that.
1: Uh Matt Green, anything else you'd like to add as we wrap up here on our Sunday Week 11 recap show, sir? Only 2 more weeks.
0: I will say season. yeah, this season has flown by. Uh you better be worried. Better be looking over your shoulder for those uh for this pick 'em. It's really coming down to the wire. Um uh, but yeah, this is uh if Tennessee and Georgia make the playoffs, this is going to be uh incredible for the pod. So let's we can all like we can cross our fingers that South Carolina Gamecocks don't don't ruin this magical season Uh, all chaos
1: on this pod Um, because like if that happens guess what man we just on record November 14th Tennessee and Georgia make the playoff that's the national championship is Tennessee Georgia and if we get Mm. the national championship Tennessee Georgia for this podcast I don't even know and uh, Georgia fans and Tennessee fans who really hate each other now like Twitter I don't know if it is a representative of just national but man the animosity and Georgia fans who are, by and large, the colonists classless and this, that, and the other, and just rubbing it in, the the drubbing in Athens. I'm telling you, that is going to be something to behold. I'm going, by the way. I don't know if you're going to plan on going, but if let's make a r- deal right now. If they're in, I mean, I'm in. Like I'm going. <laughs> I, I'm absolutely going to the national title. I don't know what it takes because I don't know if Tennessee will ever get back in my lifetime. I'm going. If, if the
0: first round was any indication on what the price of those tickets is, are gonna be, then I don't think there's any chance in hell. It's gonna be uh SoFi Stadium, right? Yeah. National Championship this year. So yeah. What, what uh, can
1: Maddox fetch? I'm not following uh I mean he's a purebred German Shepherd, right? Or Zeus?
0: Oh, whoa, whoa, huh? whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You want uh, you want to get Tory to stop listening to the pod right yeah. now, sir. You better uh, you better take those words back.
1: That new lawnmower uh, though, the Ryan lawnmower is it time to auction uh, that one off? The
0: Aaron Murray man, I yeah. would never sell the Aaron Murray. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a quality machine there, um, but no, it's uh, it's going to be huge. I uh, I can only imagine the uh, the anticipation that for that uh, for that game if we get it. But there's a long. A long way to go, before but it's not we, that long.
1: We got two more regular season weeks, and then Tennessee season's over. Then they're just sitting like it's. Uh, we'll know pretty soon, sir, how this is going to go.
0: Yeah, Tennessee just just sitting there waiting. I will say, from a Georgia fan perspective, don't without playing in the conference championship, it's hard to uh, it's hard to think you're too much in control of your of your destiny. I, I come, I have still have nightmares of the 2007 season where. Mm. Ohio State didn't play the final week, still wasn't a Big Ten championship. They were number three. Georgia didn't play in the SEC championship, was number four. Number one and number two lost. Ohio State jumped to one, and Georgia dropped to five. And I'll never understand how it happened, but uh, you know that was that was the one that got away for the dogs. But uh, mm. Tennessee looks like they'll have some more, like they got more going in their in their side this year. But yeah, uh this thing coming down to the wire, man.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Matt Green, always a pleasure, my friend. Follow him on Twitter, Matt underscore divan, underscore Green. Uh, follow myself, Chase underscore Thomas, all the good stuff. Um, until Thursday, or it will go up on Thursday, until Wednesday, uh, I will talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or co-worker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves!